Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this last Sunday of the church year, that last Sunday meaning that we are having our eyes focused upon that second appearance of Christ, is a text that's taken from, I guess you might say, Christ's last prayer, prayer for His church. And I read these words. Father, the time has come. Glorify Your Son that Your Son may glorify You. For You granted Him authority over all people that He might give eternal life to all those You have given Him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is the end of our text. Perhaps you have heard the saying, too soon old, too late smart. Hopefully, we get wisdom and smarts when we are a little bit younger. But experience is something that teaches us what is important in life, and too often we are old before we come to realize or learn or apply it. That is why it is that Jesus is praying in our text. It is also the reason for why it is that we pray as well. We are supposed to be praying for the exact same things that Jesus prays for. When we pray for the same things that Jesus prays for, God hears our prayers, not because we pray them, but because Jesus takes our prayers and perfects them and prays them before his Father for us. Our prayers, when they are combined with his prayers, make a harmony, a harmonic note that becomes sweet to the ears of his Father in heaven. But when our prayers are amiss, when they are discordant, when they are different from what Jesus would have us pray for, these are the prayers that God does not answer for us. So we ask ourselves, what is it that Jesus is praying for in this text? He says that he is praying first and foremost for this, that we might know the true God in, through, and by means of this Jesus Christ whom he has sent. He said, quite literally, now this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Three years ago, the Pew Research Foundation did a large survey asking parents what it is that they wanted their children to learn or to know. They ranked these things in order of importance. Responsibility, hard work, helping others, good manners, independence, creativity, empathy for others, tolerance, perseverance, curiosity, obedience, and last of all, religious faith. Let's just take that prayer of Jesus and insert these words of what parents consider to be 
their priority in raising their kids and see what it sounds like. This is eternal life, Jesus said, that they might be responsible. This is eternal life, that they might be hard workers. This is eternal life, that they might help others or have good manners. This is eternal life, that they might be independent, creative, curious, tolerant, persistent. This is eternal life, that they might be obedient. You see how it is that those words don't quite ring with the same power of Jesus. He says that they might have eternal life. How? That they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Oh, so often, too soon old, too late, smart. What is it that we are praying for? To fulfill this prayer, Jesus adds something else. He prays for our protection and for the protection of all those who believe in him. But he explicitly says that he does not pray for the world. He prays that we, his children, little, uh, little girl that was baptized today, became his child. And therefore, God in heaven is praying for her to be protected, we are told, from the evil one. We pray that in the Lord's Prayer, don't we? Deliver us from evil. But literally in the text, it says from the evil one. Jesus is praying that we would be delivered from the power of Satan himself. He says, my prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. I do think that we so often are of the belief that children can only be protected when we shelter them from the world. Jesus is not saying that. There's a certain degree of wisdom to that. We want to shelter them as they are young and as they are naive and as they maybe don't understand what's happening in that world out there. But we so quietly segregate ourselves from the so-called evil world by moving into our nice wealthy communities but do we really think that our children are going to not be exposed to drugs if we do that sometimes it's even more we send them off to prestigious colleges but do we think that the high ranking of these colleges also qualifies them for high morals very often not. Jesus' prayer teaches us that there is only one thing that will protect them and only one thing that protects us. He says it's God's name. Yeah, God's name upon this little child today, little Lucille, was baptized into Christ and God's name was placed upon her. As that name was placed upon her, so also God's angels took their charge, and now she is being protected by the power of God's Word. Jesus says that He gave His disciples not only God's name, but He gave them the Word, 
And the word in the Greek there is the remata. These are the creative words of God. They are the words that at the time of creation God spoke and things came into being. When he gave this word to his disciples, that word is what would create the miracle of regeneration and new birth. That's what happens in baptism. It is the power of the word of God that creates new life, as the Apostle Paul would say. Did you not know that all of us who are baptized into Christ were baptized into his death, that whereas Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in a newness of life? Baptism, the Apostle Peter said, now saves you. We now know that it is the power of the word that gives to us in this sacramental over bread and wine. We now receive Christ's body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. It is that word that actually protects us from the power of the evil one. Just as King Arthur uses his Excalibur to bring about victory, so the Christian clings on to the very word of God that is given to us and earned for us there at the cross of Christ. Yeah, he takes upon himself our sins and he suffers and he dies and he lives again in order that we might be protected from that evil one. No longer can Satan accuse us. No longer can Satan hold our sins against us. No longer can Satan tell us that our God in heaven is angry with us because now in Christ he has been reconciled, put away our sin, forgiven, pardoned, and given to us everlasting life. Not maybe, definitely. We see the example of how this works by Christ's own temptation, don't we? When he is tempted in the wilderness, what does he say? It is written. It is written. It is written. It is all in the Word. To bring this all about, God the Holy Spirit wills to reach out and to create a church that brings the Word to these children. And he creates the church. And that is why Jesus then prays for the unity of the church, for the oneness of the church. This world can be so often imposing upon Christians trials and tribulations. In fact, Jesus says it. The world's going to hate us even as it hated him. So Jesus prays that we might receive a gift, the gift of joy. And he calls it a lasting and eternal joy. He knows that there will be trials and hardships in our life, but he always promises us that we will, with joy, persevere through all those trials. Like iron put into the fires and turned into steel, so when tribulations come upon us in our life, the prayers of Jesus that command and demand that we receive joy from the Father steal us and enable us to be able to handle those trials and tribulations of this darkened world and enables us to be able to go out into the world without perishing, but go out into the world with the gospel of God's grace and His mercy and His forgiveness. And we can do this without losing hope. We must be mindful that there is always a connection between prayers and action, between beliefs and deeds, right? Martin Luther once said that the farmer, 
He's praying all night so that God would bless his crops, but he works all day to make it happen. So in our prayers, we also ask ourselves, what can we do to bring to fulfillment what it is that we are praying for? We're told that when Israel was in captivity in this foreign land of Babylon, and this king asks Nehemiah, what would you want? We are told that while Nehemiah was expressing his desire to have his people released and sent back to the Holy Land, he was inwardly praying also at the same time. We pray that we might be able to know God and know Christ. The question is, if that is our greatest prayer, how do we put that into action in our life? If we are praying that we would be protected from the evil one by means of God's word, what does that mean for the way that we would put it into action in our life? If we are praying that our Christian church would be one in faith and in love, what are we doing in order to put that prayer into practice? And if we are praying that we could live a joyful and sanctified life, how have we been able to actually put that into action in our lives? If we want our children to endure within this cruel world out there, we want them not to ever lose heart, then we should also be praying and working in order that they might be able to have an abiding knowledge of our Lord and may be able to understand with certainty the eternal life that is waiting for them beyond that door of death. If that's what we want above all things, we should pray for it with all our heart. So, hopefully, by the grace of God, it is not going to be said about us, too soon old, too late smart. May we join our prayers to Jesus' prayer that we might know the true God in Jesus Christ and thereby receive eternal life. That we might hold fast to the word of God that we might be protected from the evil one. That we might become one in faith and in love with our fellow Christians. That we might be filled with an unquenchable and abiding joy from this world and they have that eternal life that belongs to us and is given to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. May our little Lucille today come to understand the incredible gift that has been granted unto her, and may we all pray for that same gift of eternal life for those who have been granted to us. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard and keep your thoughts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.